Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the next edition of Missing a Point. Today we are talking all things hockey. It is playoff season. It is Bruins time. And for that, we have a special guest in the building. You can hear him on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, you can see him on the Bleacher Report and on uh, the Believe Network and on 91.5. And we'll get to that at uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, he is a Bruin enthusiast uh, like myself. And once again, he knows all things Bruins. We may sprinkle a little Celtics in there too at the end, because uh, I know he's a supporter of the Celtics. But uh, Shukri Wrights, man, welcome to the show, man. How, how are you? Good morning, and thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be on the podcast with you. And and, be, and before we get rolling, I just wanted to just to say this real quick. And I we didn't talk about it like prior to the recording of the podcast, but today of the podcast recording it's a day of major significance it's exactly 10 years ago today yeah that the boston marathon bombing happened here in the city of boston and although we're excited for the celtics uh, playoff push to begin and the bruins playoff to begin on monday i couldn't start the podcast without talking about that as, as well as offering an opportunity to remember the victims of the bombing and those who lost their lives that day 10 years ago today so I just wanted to like to 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 tip my not not just so much tip my hat, but show a great deal of love and solidarity with the city of Boston and as well as those who lived through that time period and as well as those who still demonstrate a great deal of resilience and strength in in dealing with, with such a tragic day that was ten years ago today. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually glad that you started with that. That that would have slipped my mind. I was actually living in my living in Miami at the time, when I remember uh, someone pulling me aside, say, "Yo, like, you know, something happened over in your hometown." I'm like, what are you talking about? And you know, we we saw the news and the reports that came out that uh, that it happened during the Muslim Marathon, and you know, still I still get chills from watching you know David Ortiz's speech when he was like, you know, our Jersey City don't say Red Sox, it says Boston. Yeah. You know, this is our bleeping city, and you know, you know, no one's going to dictate our freedom like that. That is still, listen, it's still something that that resonates in my mind heavy. And obviously, you know, we know what that season was sports-wise for uh, the, the Red Sox that year. But yeah, but like more importantly, like I said, the resiliency, like I said, that people showed, the camaraderie that people showed after that was, was uh, you know, w- you know, very warm to see. And uh, once again, like I said, thoughts and prayers always go out to those to those families. And like I said, I hope that they're uh, in a better space now than they were. Uh, at, at at that time, uh, a, a decade ago. So yeah, so yeah, that, that that's an excellent start to 
to, to, to this. So like I mentioned in the intro, we're, we're getting into all things Bruins. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, <laughs> you 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 have you have missed you have missed one hell of a season. I, for those that have listened to the show, they know I'm I'm a I'm a security guard at TD Garden, and yes, they have gone 65, 12, and five, uh, breaking the all time wins record, breaking the all time points record uh, that that was held by Montreal back in the late seventies. See, I looked at those numbers. I said, man, they had a hell of, Montreal had a hell of a run. In, in the mid to late seventies, so they, they were they were a dynasty, and yeah, 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 for for sure. So it, it was it was cool to see uh, that happen. So just with that record being what it was, and obviously, uh, you know, of course, everyone agrees on Bruma's Twitter that it was a great record, right? Of course, oh. right? No, no one disagrees that <laughs> sixty five wins does that. It, that it doesn't matter. Of course, of course, they they would never disagree that the record oh, was not cool, right? <laughs> of course. Uh, I saw you. I saw you tweet about that. I was like, man, I, I said you. You sound just like me. I, I feel the same way. I'm like, yo, like, embrace the moment. Em- embrace the moment. Be happy that they got the record. Yes, we know this more. Yes, we don't want just the President's Cup. We want the Stanley Cup. We we, we get that. But learn to live in the moment and be present. Uh, that that being said, so we I want to go back to the off season. So like in September, you know, bring it back, Krejci. You know, having Bergeron come back, uh, you know, for for another year, presumably, uh, just what, how how did that help set the tone for what they were going to do uh, going into the season? You know, Rayshon, I don't think that 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 those two particular moves, like like were like the foundation of like of the season that has been for the Boston Bruins. And I know there are some of a lot of you that's going to be like, well, shoot, what are you talking about? There was a an exceptional article written by uh, by I remember her name Emily Benjamin of NHL.com, mm-hmm. and she made this point, and I this point is one hundred percent worthy of discussion because I am a person that likes to look at the big picture as part of the big story. We, if you're gonna talk about this season, and if you're gonna talk about like just how historic it has been up until this point, and as I mentioned with the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning on Monday, you can't start with September. You actually got to start with late July, and the reason why I say that is because, as as Emily Benjamin explained in the column, which you can find on NHL.com, she talked about. There was a wedding that took place in Italy in which a lot of the Bruin players and as well as some, some of the former Bruin players were were invited. They attended, I believe, in that photo from what I remember. David Krejci was in that photo. Pasenak was in that photo. Toby Krug was invited. He, he was in, in that, I believe, was also there as well. But there were several other guys from the bees that were that were there, and as, as well as Tuka Rask and, 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 and company as well. And it was pointed out that like things began to uh, like to like crystallize because even at that point, at the time of the photo, it wasn't guaranteed just yet. It was just it was just a little bit before Krejci announced his decision to return to the Boston Bruins, return back to the NHL. So when that happened, and as well as obviously the news of Patrice Bergeron returning back for another year, 
I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is a start, but the Boston Bruins still have some major question marks. Because at that time, again, I, I want everything that I say and everything that I talk about in case if the Bruins do win the Stanley Cup in two months, if they do, I want every single moment to be documented the way that it is and taking everything for what it's worth with context. Yep. So I remember going like going back to August, and I made this point on Twitter at the time, and I, and I was saying, listen, this Bruins team has a lot of question marks. Bruce Cassidy, that that firing was very controversial. I was angry about that firing. And when the Bruins decided to hire Jim Montgomery, for me, that was the first time where it was like, okay, I'm actually curious to see, like, what kind of head coach Jim Montgomery is, what kind of effect can he have on this Bruins team that is laden with veterans? I mean, yes, you have the young core of, like, Charlie McAvoy and... Brandon Carlo and David Pasanak and, and and company as well. Yes, you have that young core of guys, but I wanted to see like what kind of approach was Jim Montgomery going to have as a head coach with the with the roster in itself. Was he going to shake up things, or what is he going to say? Hey, you know what? Why not we we refine things a bit. So I was really curious. And even then, like, there was no guarantees. There was no signs of what was to come. And what I find most fascinating when I think about it now, here we are in mid-April. When I think back to last fall, I think back to September, last September during training camp. I think of, okay, what was the Bruins going to get in net? between Lennon Mark and Jeremy Swimmer, because again, that was not a guarantee that were, that they were going to get the season that they've gotten from Lennon Mark and that he would become the goaltender that he's become or that Jeremy Swimmer would take another big step in his development as a young netminder. There was no guarantees at all. So I say all of that because last September, no one knew. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what to what to truly expect and what what was going to come of this team. And the thing that caught my eye early on was when they got off to remember correctly eleven and three. There was eleven and three start, mm-hmm. and that caught my eye. I was like, okay, maybe this is just a hot streak start the season because like you know teams like to get off to good starts, and you, again you don't really think much of anything of it, but and I talked about this on Twitter again, and those who follow me on Twitter at Shukri Writes, you can find it in my in the tweets because it's there, although I have tens of thousands of tweets, but it's there. I said that the game that told me that there was something different about this team, yeah. and I, I will forever have this circled on, on my mind uh, in the calendar, the proverbial calendar, in literal calendar, is November 1st, 2022. You go back to that night. They were playing the Penguins. Bruins roared out to to an early lead, two to one, and it fell apart. They're down five to two, and I was pissed. I was pissed off. I was just, I was frustrated with things that fell apart the way that it did in that game. 
And to see that team come back the way that it did and tying the game and then Hampus Lindholm winning the game in overtime. And they won it 6-5. to five. Now, the, they're, they're off to a hot start and now you have that kind of game. Mm-hmm. That caught my attention like, uh, I don't know what just happened, but there's something, there's something to this team. I don't know what it is. It's still very early. At the time, it was early. Yep. But but I but I started to realize and started to think, shoot, there may be something with this team here. Like we have to wait and see. And then also the second inkling was the home winning streak to start the year, mm-hmm. which had never been done in the history of the NHL. And I and I made there was a, a tweet that I that I pointed out to, in which the only other team, for what I could remember, that got off to an historic start at home prior to the Bruins was to 2012-2013 Chicago Blackhawks. Although it was a it was a 48 game season was shortened because of the strike. Yeah. But they got off to such a monster start off on at home, and they went on to win the cup. Right, I, I guess and, that's <laughs> and no, and yeah, and and ten years later, no one could have foreseen the Bruins. No one who who was honest, a forthright person, could honestly say they they could have foreseen what the Bruins would end up becoming. Nobody, I mean, nobody, right. not even myself. Yeah, no, I, I mean, no, that's like well, well said. I think. This is definitely similar to what we saw. I, mean, I know that you're a Yankee fan. I know that I follow you. So, but you know, when when the rest actually the Yankees won 100 games that year too in 2018. 2018. But, yeah, um, that's a great. I made that comparison myself as well on Twitter. Like this team has got 2018 vibes of the Red Sox. Like they were the most dominant team in the sport, not just in the, like in the sport of baseball yeah. that yeah. entire 2018 season. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's where and once again they'll they'll have some echoes. Like I mean I know they're playing Florida. In the first round, obviously they should be for today. They should be most of the day uh, face, but you know, but we'll we'll get into that breakdown shortly. But, but I think for me, just as someone who, like I said, became a, a bit more invested now that I'm working there and seeing how uh, they played, I think the game for me actually was when they faced Colorado at home. Right? Um, I don't remember yeah. the score, but I know they ended up winning it. And uh, Colorado fans were in there. They were in there that night. They were there. You know, they, they're the defending champs and. Mm-hmm. You know, they was like, oh, you know, we got really work from y'all. We won. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, they, they, they were talking crazy in there. And mm-hmm. I remember being on the seventh floor after we, after we won. For and those I, that don't know, that's the 311 TD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, right. Uh, 311. So I yeah. was like, see you in June. See you all in June. I said, this this team, I don't, I said, this team is ready. I said, we're healthy. I said, see you in June. I said, because I said, y'all, y'all are very good. I said, we're very good. I said, see, see you in June. So mm-hmm. we beat them. I was like, oh, okay. Like they are on par with the team that just won it. So and like I said, they were they were damn near. Well, they were unbeatable at home for a, a long stretch. So yeah. it just it just didn't matter who was coming in there. It was just like either we're gonna win five to two, and that, that I think that's that's what was so uh, I think refreshing to me to see as a fan. Like they they could beat you five to two, but it was gonna beat you, you know, two to one. Mm-hmm. Either way, they were going to find a way. And I think, you know, their their aggressiveness when they're in their zone to, to score. Like I said, we'll get into that too. Like, I think that's where they set themselves apart. That if they're, if they're getting 35 to 40 shots on goal and you're getting 25 to 26, most likely with the amount of scores that this team has, 
you're 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 going to lose. <laughs> you're going to lose most mm-hmm. nights because whether it's Pashanak, whether it's you know Krejci, uh, whether it's you know well I mean Orlov has had as much goals, but he, he's he's a hell of a playmaker. That pass he had the other night was phenomenal, especially if, as a as a blue liner at that. He's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that 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 you know there, there's many ways that they can beat you, and they showed that early on. So yes, I agree that Pittsburgh game definitely was a game that stuck out because it was like oh. Okay, they're being the same rumors again. Now, that's what people started to think. It was like, okay, here we go. This is what this, you know, they're, they're blowing leads. You know, the, the hostile didn't matter, whatever. Excuse me. And then they showed yeah. everything. And that's kind of been a theme really, really all year. And they've had some other comeback wins. And you're like, oh, like, how did they even get to, how, they were down 3 1 and they ended up winning 4 3. Like, how, how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> they, they just, they just find, and they, they just find a way. And like I said, that, that, that ties back to the goaltending, as you mentioned. But, you know, we, we brought, you brought up the coach briefly. Obviously, like you said, Bruce Cassidy left, uh, and over. No, the he was. He didn't leave. He was fired. Yeah, yeah, got, 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 yeah, got fired. And obviously, you know, they. I feel like players have been going on a tirade, saying that you know, but basically, basically, the younger players like, oh, he didn't care for us, and you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't nurture us the way we need to be nurtured. Da, da, da. So you know, obviously, Jim Montgomery comes in. Obviously, they he, <laughs> they have they have like I said, they get the greatest, they get the best record of all time. So just you know, what do you think if if, if there was any? Uh, what adjustments do you think Jim Montgomery made in order for them to get to this level uh, this year? It wasn't, it wasn't like they were bad before, but just what 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 did you see from him as, from a coaching standpoint that uh, got them in position to be this successful so far? I have to say that the elevated play of the blue line I got to start there. And I mean, you, I mean, you can also talk about the depth of like the scoring from all four lines. And but I want to start with the blue line because. What I what I noticed, especially from Jim Montgomery, is that his system has impacted the blue line in such a way that I think the biggest beneficiary of that change, in my opinion, was Hampus Lindholm. Mm-hmm. Hampus Lindholm at one point like led the NHL in the plus minus rating. He at one point he had a, I think he has a plus thirty. I don't I don't know if he finished the season. I'm still on top of the NHL, but he was. But he was definitely up there for sure. And Hampus Lindholm, like, and what's amazing about him is that when we acquired him a year ago, we knew that this, the guy, the guy was a pretty solid defenseman in Anaheim. But because of where he played, it kind of got lost in the shuffle because Anaheim hadn't really been competitive over the last few years. And in fact, this season they, I mean, they they just uh, fired their uh, like their head coach Dallas Eakins j- just a, about a day or so ago, and you didn't really get to appreciate and watch just how good Hampus Lindholm is. And and unfortunately, he got injured last year in the first round against Carolina in in the series that the Bruins would end up losing in seven, unfortunately. But this year with on, with John Montgomery, you saw a defenseman like. Lindholm, and obviously, like we're not forgetting about Charlie McAvoy, who continues to get better uh, year after year after year, and he's and he's only twenty five. But going back to Lindholm, you saw that this is a defenseman that can that can pretty much dominate and almost pretty much every facet of the game: passing ability to 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 run a power play, to be a, a vital part of a power play. And I I thought of it as if there was a player that was going to benefit from it 
the most on the blue line, it was going to be Hampus Lindholm. Now, as far as the the scoring depth from the forward group is concerned, I was amazed when I started to see how the that third line especially was going to gel and come together the way that it has, especially when with Taylor Hall, who is no slouch by any stretch of the imagination. The man is a former NHL MVP winner. He won it with the Devils back in 2017-2018. No, no one could have foreseen that, number one, Taylor Hall bought in and bought, bought in wholeheartedly and said, you know what, I'll do it. I'll do, I'll do it. That third line probably was the best third line in the league. We talk about Hall. We talk about Charlie Coyle, who has had a renaissance of a year. And a lot of it has to do with the defensive zone faceoffs that he's been able to win, which has been huge. And as well as having Nick Felina, who is who is on his way back from injury. So that third line has absolutely been a monster, a monstrous part of the success of the Boston Bruins. And there was a conversation that was had on, on a different podcast on a different platform in which that you go look at the importance historically of the bottom six, but especially your third line. Your third line oftentimes has played a vital role in, role in helping a team win the Stanley Cup. And for me, the example that I used was, I think back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who unfortunately uh, will miss the playoffs for the first time in 16 years, which is really hard to believe. You think you go back to when they won back to back Stanley Cups in 2016 and 2017. Who was the biggest player on that third line for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Phil Kessel. And I, at one point, was saying, you know what? The Bruins could use a guy like Phil Kessel. Right. Like, it's, like imagine I, I, Like, mm. imagine Phil Kessel playing on that third line with Coyle and Taylor Hall. Yeah. So. Say, Sagan, well, Sagan wasn't a third liner, but Sagan too. He goes to Dallas. They they do their thing over there. So it's he was like, he, he didn't go to Dallas. He was traded. And that no, but but no, but not but not to split hairs. But but that and it's that story is a whole. That's a whole different topic for another day. But but yeah, like in terms of the, the vital role that that Taylor Hall has has played on that third line cannot be understated. And then also, you talk about that top line. And we talk about the top six. For the last few years, prior to, I would even say prior to last year, we all have known about the perfection line, Marshan, Bergeron, Passanant. And I said this on Twitter. In 2019, that was the Bruins' fatal flaw, amongst, amongst the other one being they just they had no sort of nastiness in their game. Chara was towards the end of his career. It was unfair to, for him to constantly expect him to be the guy that, to answer the bell for the team constantly. They didn't have that. They have that now with this team in spades. In Hathaway, they have that with Felino. They have that with, with Tyler Bertuzzi. They have that with Trent Frederick. This team is absolutely nasty, and they're not afraid to drop the gloves and get and get real physical. Yeah. So you look back to the top six. And you talk about how they were a one-line team once upon a time. Putting Jake DeBrusque on that top line where Brad Marshall and Patrice Bergeron has been an absolute game changer. This is the first year that I believe, in my opinion, that you've seen 
you've seen Jake DeBrus play at a consistent level night in and night out. There was never a question about his effort. There was never a question about his ability to play at a high uh, at a high level. There was never a question about his back checking. There was no there was no questions at all. There was there was literally no worries about him. Like yeah, we know that he could be a streaky player, but his consistent play has been there on every night that he's been that he's been healthy. Although he did miss a significant amount of time with that leg injury that he sustained in the Winter Classic, but. If he didn't miss that time, he's a, he's definitely a 30-goal scorer. That's how good he's been this year for the Boston Bruins. And you talk about that second line. And we cannot talk about this 2022-23 Boston Bruins team without talking about that second line. Because I, it, I think it would be an absolute crime if we didn't. You talk about the return of Krejci. Mm-hmm. That was huge. Start there. He probably had the quietest 50-plus point campaign that I can remember probably in recent memory. Like, he was just very quiet, very unassuming. He came in, and then not only just that, not only that, Krejci asked to be be on that same line with David Pasenak, and it was something that didn't happen often under Bruce Cassidy. And then you have... Another Czechia native who was traded to the Boston Bruins uh, in the Eric Holladale and Pavel Zaka, who, by the way, was given a multi-year contract extension to remain with us part of the Bruins. Deserved it. And you talk about that second line, the Czech line. I can't remember the last time I've been genuinely excited for a second line that, I mean, the top six, the team is so bleeping deep that you can nitpick the fourth line. Hell, the fourth line has been absolutely phenomenal. Thomas Noshek has been terrific. And Garner Halfway has fit in like... Dirty too, though. I, the last two games when they've had him be be more of a focal point because they, they was giving guys rest, like, he, he in the first two seconds, oh, what's up? I'm out here. So, <laughs> yeah. It, it, just, it, just, it just doesn't, it do, it doesn't matter from right. line, on the line four, like doesn't matter who's out doesn't there. Doesn't matter. They're, yeah, they're, they're ready. They're ready to go. And like that, and, that that part's huge. But keep, keep going. And 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 then and then like also in continuation, like you you talk about AJ Greer in that fourth line, and you talk. I mean, the fourth line in itself is just it's been so deep. And and I, and I was just that this team is just so deep. It doesn't matter like which line you want to focus on, but that second line with that check line with Bazaka, Krejci, and Pasta. Magic, and then yeah, you're getting, no. and, then, and then you're getting a healthy Krejci for the for the playoffs, at least close to 100. percent And we know his pedigree coming to playoffs. I expect nothing less than greatness during the Stanley Cup playoff run. Okay, he he ends up taking a step back though, right? Because I mean, we, we just we just spoke about how great each line has been and who's been, who's been key contributor. So obviously, Hall just came back with a few games left in the regular season. You mentioned that Felino, so we're coming back. Well, Felino reminds me of Lucic a little bit. And so I was like, that he also wears number 17. That thing he, he had similar uh, games as far as like the, the toughness goes. So, you know, you have you have Hall coming back, Felino coming back. And then you know, the two guys they traded for at the deadline or right before the deadline, Dimitri yeah. uh, Orlov and Tyler Bertuzzi uh, from Detroit. So just, yeah. you know, speak speak to how could it actually, you know, I, I love the fact that they went and got those guys. I think it would have been very easy to say, we have the best record in hockey. 
we don't have any holes right now. Like you mentioned, like they had a lot of holes coming into the year. Like they clearly were beating every being the breaks off everyone. He had had his best goalies in, in the league. It'd have been very easy to say, let's rest yeah. on our goals. Let's yeah. not let's not stir the pot at all. Let's just wait for these guys to get healthy and then just see what we can do. Rishon, uh, I, I yep. stop stop for a moment. Mm-hmm. I want all of you to to give Rayshon his flowers. Because no, 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 I'm no, I'm serious. Because that point right there, I think if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we gotta give Don Sweeney his credit where it's deserved. But that part there about not wanting to stir up the pot the pot, and that was something that was talked about. It was something that was talked about when the Bruins made these deals. Would these moves impact the chemistry of this Bruins locker room? That was a major question and concern, and rightfully so. The answer has been, this is actually made this, you, you thought this, this team couldn't be any more closer than what it is. It's got even, even more closer, even more of a tight neck. Like, it's just been like, and I think, I'm, and I'm saying this, give this man his flowers, or give Rachel his flowers, because that point is so damn important for teams to go on, or to go on to win the Stanley Cup. Chemistry and cohesiveness is so critical. And I'm glad you brought up that point because there was no guarantees that these moves were going to work. There was no moves that, no guarantees that Dmitry Orlov was going to pan out the way that he's panned out as a Boston Bruin. There was no guarantee that Garnet Hathaway was going to work out as well. He's worked out so far being a local guy from Maine and there was no guarantee that Tyler Bertuzzi would end up being here. And the only reason why the Bruins went out and got Tyler Bertuzzi was because that because Nick Felino went down with injury. That's the only reason why. Yeah. And Don Sweeney said, you know what? I'm not going to sit on my thumbs. I'm not going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs and just be passive. We are going to go and be aggressive. And they went out and they got Tyler Bertuzzi. And I said this on the day that they made this move. And I was laughing. I was like, guys, the Bruins just got a guy who is a two-time 20-goal scorer, a guy who's a 30-goal scorer, and he's had a he had a bad luck of, of injuries this season prior to the trade, even last season as well. Dude, you got a stud and a guy who is known for being a pest? Yeah. Come on, yeah. come on! Like what? What? Yeah. What else? Yeah. That, what I mean, else needs to be that, said that, 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 that hasn't been said already? Go ahead. No, I mean, I mean no. That, like that that part is huge. And I think once again, I felt like you know, uh, ownership in the city gets a bad rap for just not always going forward because they feel like, well, if you have the money or if you have the team, that that's especially that. the Bruins, specifically yeah. the Bruins. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially, right, exactly. I think you know, you 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 have you have to. And my thing is, my philosophy. I'm I'm going for it every time. I'm not going to sit there and sit. Uh, once again, you can handle whatever you need to handle in the offseason. If you need to move money there, move money there, like you can you can do so. The only thing is, is just when yeah. you get into the offseason, it's just who ends up being the guy that you pay. Oh, I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think it becomes a bit easier, obviously, if they win because either guys will take pay cuts or if somebody doesn't produce the way they thought they were producing the postseason, then you can kind of let them go. I do think that you keep Orlov and Bertuzzi. I just think that if you're looking to maintain the dominance going forward, 
Because listen, you're not going to be 65. It's not going to be easy. Not gonna be, it's not going to be easy. But no, it's not going to be easy to keep to, to keep keep both. Although I I would love for that to happen, but I don't think it's going to be easy because the Bruins are really up against it in terms of the cap. They don't know if Krejci or Bergeron is going to come back again next. Week. There's no guarantees at all. I, I, I think Bergeron goes out on top if if they if they win. Like how kind of like it I, wouldn't surprise me if that was the yeah. case. So I agree. And, I mean, you know? you know, I mean, once again, as a as a fan, once again, he. You know, he came in 20 years ago, you know, and yeah, obviously, you know, he, you know, we at that time, you know, Joe Thornton was the guy. And, you know, you know, obviously they didn't mm-hmm. do they had some moments in, in the mid 2000s, but they weren't a team that, you know, didn't do anything really until 2011. So this core has been together uh, for for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know, remember the loss to Philly, remember, you know, then obviously they win the next year and then the loss to the Blackhawks. And so, you know, they, they've had they've had this run. So I, I, I think he goes on the top. But I do. And this is this is not a, all. This is a hot take. I think this has been said elsewhere. But maybe maybe Taylor Hall is the is the guy that ends up leaving if mm-hmm. that's the case. Because once again, I feel like you don't bring those guys in to be rentals, especially with Bertuzzi. I mean, I know Orlov is a little over thirty, but Bertuzzi is in his late twenties. So yeah, I think he just turned twenty eight. So to me, yeah. looking to get younger, in the prime of his career at that, yeah, yeah probably at prime of that. So I, I just think to me, if you're looking to stay young, looking to stay athletic. I just think that that's he is someone that should be a part of the future, uh, especially when he's produced. I can see if he came in, it was an absolute dud. But the fact that he's come in, he's produced. He's had some goals here, has some great assists to to Pasternak and others. So I just think once again, you've added to the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Once again, that's part of the best part of being a GM. It's, it's, it's hard uh, to keep everybody, but I think that you know they already did the right thing with signing Pasternak. They did the right thing with resigning Zaka. So yeah, I think there's there's still some other moves that need to be made to maintain uh, this level of greatness, not just Wait, now. Sean, I'm sorry. Sure. Yep. I keep hearing sounds outside of my outside of my apartment window. Sounds like Vuvuzelas. It was it was becoming a little too distracting. I'm like, gotcha. <laughs> I I heard it once, and I'm like, okay. But it was like, I'm like, what the hell is that? It's 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 it's, 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 ring, it's they're ringing the alarm saying the Bruins are coming. <laughs> that, Listen, yeah, I, I, I like to think it's either that or probably geese. Right. Or something. It was right. like, <laughs> I'm like, what the? Hell? I'm like, no, right, right. <laughs> like I I I'm I'm sitting here like trying to listen and I and I be too distracted and I'm like, what the hell? Right. Like, got got up Saturday mornings. No, no, no you good, you good, no. So I, I want to I want to get to uh, the goaltending right because you you yeah. alluded to it earlier in the show. So obviously, uh, signing Umark a couple of years ago, I think people were kind of like he's been a journeyman, he, not someone that's been great in his in his previous stop. So what's going to be different here? And obviously, right. back up to to Tuka Rask, and I think people in the city had a love hate relationship with Tuka Rask because there was moments when he stood on his head and was as good as anyone we've seen. You know, you think about Martin Brador, you think about Patrick Wall back in the day, like he, he was on that level at times. So I, I think that uh, to have Omar does, did what he did and then for Swayman, I think, so I think Omar was first in uh, save percentage for a while and Swayman was right there at number three, if not five at times. So just give a, give a little deeper dive into how that play kind of set up everything else because obviously you can have a 50-goal scorer, you can have a 30-goal scorer, you can have a guy that had plenty of assists, but if you, if you have guys that can't stop uh, the puck, you know, your, your success may be limited. So just speak speak to Swayman in particular, how he's really made that leap and just what, what do you expect from both of them in the playoffs? Honestly, I think that in itself has been the, uh, not 
the biggest story in the NHL this season. I said it early on that I felt that going back to like November-ish, that Linus Allmark was having a very Tim Thomas-esque mm-hmm. type of season at that time. Right. I was right. Because the man just tied Tim Thomas in terms of a save percentage in a single season. And I, and I also said this the other day in which that there's only one thing left for him to do because he's going to win the Vesna. And despite the fact that people that are, you know, involved in the voting process, they're trying to come up with reasons why he shouldn't win the Vesna, blah, 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 and which I think is complete BS. Click, 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 big. That's all it is. Like, it's, it's like, it's, it's going to be Linus. It's going to be Olmark. It's not even, it's not even, it's, it's truly not debatable. One Islander fan in particular, and I'm not going to disparage the guy because he, because he's a cool dude and he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He tried to make it, I'll uh, make a point. Oh, it should be Elias Heroke. And I'm like, stop it, d- dude. Any other year? Yeah, maybe. Now, this year? No. Like, dude, yeah. stop. You're, you're, and there were Bruin fans literally arguing with him. I'm like, buddy, you're wrong. It's not to say that Sorokin won't be a finalist. He'll be a Vesna finalist, but the award 100% should, and I think it will go to Linus Omar. And I thought about this in thinking about the tandem between Omar and Swayman because going into the year, who was expected to be the number one guy? Swayman. Swayman. In 2010-2011, who was expected to be the number one guy? So was was Tuka already there? Tuka was already there. Yeah, so yeah, so it, it was Tuka because he, he was a young guy coming. I, I was also about the date myself. He, he break, was bro. he was a young guy coming. Like, was up. He was an up and coming goalie at that time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, would take over? <laughs> Tim Thomas came into training camp healthy because he was not healthy at by the end of. The 2009-2010 season, he was not. He was banged up. Like, his hips were giving him problems. He came back, and we all know how that story went. Linus Olmark came into tra- training camp and basically said, you know what? I'm going, I am going to play my arse off and dominate. And yep. basically took and ran with it. And Swayman, you got to give them a lot of credit between the two goalies. There was no rift. There was no animosity. There was no, I should be playing more. There was more like, they, those two, they, they, they have talked about opening their, their incredible bond that they had. Mm-hmm. And they've talked about how they, and I, and I love that because it's, it's not fake. It's not forced. It's genuine. You see yeah. it in the goalie hug. I, I love that, that celebration. They do like too. that goalie hug after every win. Oh my God. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's just like, what more and what more can you possibly ask for? And and I was I was saying about Omar in terms of like just forget the numbers. I mean, I can sit here and spit out like numbers and whatnot. Mm. Like he oh he won forty games blah blah blah, and Swayman won I think like twenty games or stuff something like that as a ba- as a backup and whatnot. Yeah, it's remarkable when you have the best goaltending tandem in the league. What you can do, it helps. Because you have someone that's literally right behind and say, hey, I can do the job if you ever get hurt. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's not going to be a slip up or, or, or like a like a steep 
decline from the starter to the backup. There hasn't. That's part of the reason why the Bruins have been able to win as many games as they did. Right. Because it didn't matter who was in that. Between Omar and Swayman, both guys got the job done more times than not. Swayman ended the year after like January 1st as being among the league leaders in save percentage, and I believe... Yeah, he, uh, he went, he went uh, up to number three. The, yeah. yeah. So, what does that tell you? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that obviously, you know, that that's what a veteran veteran leadership does i think that yeah it would have been very easy to say i'm the guy you know i i, I don't care to to build with you i don't care to you know because like you're, you're here to take my job eventually but understanding that yo together we can and you know we we are stronger together than we are apart and yeah. that that's exactly what was what's happened so i want i want to get in some more uh stuff as far as what they do on the ice so i think they ended up creeping back into the top 10 when it came to power play percentage but they had been teetered, they had been teetering between kind of 14th, 15th, kind of kind of in between the middle of the league. So is is their power play, you know, they cleaned it up a little bit lately, but is, is the power play something that we should be concerned about as fans going into the playoffs? And they went up to the top 10, but for a while they were at 14th, 15th for a while, but not really, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities. That was a concern of mine as recently as two weeks ago today. Mm-hmm. Power play. And I talked about this in a tweet. I don't know if you saw or if you didn't. I don't know. But I, I literally talked about this in this tweet. By the end of December, early January, the Bruins were number two in the NHL in power play behind, you know who, the Edmonton Oilers. They were yeah. number two. Yeah. And the power play had sagged so much that they went from number two to being in the middle of the pack in the NHL on the man advantage. And there were a lot of Bruin fans, and I may have been guilty myself once upon a time, of saying, well, the, the power play was, wasn't that great in 2011. Look what that got then. But there was an article in which you can pull up and find on NBCSportsBoston.com, and when they talked about the importance of having a pretty good power play, it's actually really important for teams that have recently won the Stanley Cup, including Colorado last year. You have to have a pretty damn good power play. And the thing that has me the most encouraged about the Bruins power play is that this is a power play over the last couple of weeks that's actually gotten really hot. Yeah, and that, that has gotten better. And that is what you need for the players because, listen, five-on-five five scoring is important. We know this full and well as Bruin fans. But you have a a, 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 a cooking power play that could score Game changer. Absolute game changer. Yeah, no, I to- totally agree. I think, like I said, they, well, once, once that's gone up the last couple of weeks, I think, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure they've talked about it behind the scenes, obviously. Like, they they know that that was a wrinkle that had to get changed going into the playoffs. So whether it's you're making a new play design, yeah. uh, whether it's, you know, you are getting someone in the center of the ice and then, mm-hmm. you know, you know making making that right play. Uh, and like I said, I don't know if this was on a power play or not, but I think about the goal that Puck Snark scored the other night against, uh, in fact, they, I think it was against Montreal because it was on the road. I passed that Orlov had to Pashanak deep in the zone. That's um, it was, was, was a thing of beauty. <laughs> oh yeah. The goal the goalie was like he he was out there like he, he didn't know which way to go. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. you got someone on, I mean, no pun well, pun intended. When you got someone on skates like that <laughs> and they and they wobble it like that, like it's 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 game over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, I'm hoping to see more of that because once again, when you have that many guys that can put the puck in net, like it should be something where you're in the top five because 
it should become easy and, and teams should start to fold because they know, damn, Sean can do it. Zach can mm-hmm. do it. Edgerard can do it. Like, it, it can come from every which way. So there's no one person they got to key in on when they have that man advantage because they know, okay, it can come from anywhere, literally at, at, at any given at any given time. So uh, transitioning to, to, the, to who they're playing, right? So uh, they, they played the Florida Panthers um, in, in, in the first round. So like I said, we, we've, we've given a breakdown of what Boston does well and what they may need to, need to improve on. So just what speak, speak to what Florida Panthers have done well. I know obviously their record is nowhere near what the rumors are, but clearly they're in the playoffs. So they have some type of talent there. So just what, what do they do well and what can they do that might be able to exploit uh, the Bruins if possible in the series? To be frank with you, Panthers are red hot. Mm-hmm. They're dangerous. Like they have been on some sort of a tier the last couple of weeks in which that they were able to be, they were finally able to overcome, overtake, I should say, the the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you can definitely think the the Penguins' inconsistencies all year long for that as well. But the Panthers, as far as I'm concerned, their their goalie Alex Lyons, that kid could play. I mean, it's early, but he's showing you something that that really, in my opinion. It definitely opened up a lot of eyes, and I and I, I and I think there did, I, there was one Bruin fan that I saw that commented on one of my videos and said Bruins in four. I'm like, you'll be you will be horrend, horrifically mistaken to underestimate this Panther team because this is no bum of a Panther team at all. Like this is a Panther team that yes, they made the big trade during the offseason. They, they they got Matthew Kachuk that they the, the compliment guys like the captain Alexander Barkov, who is one of the most like under underappreciated and undervalued players in the NHL. And he also a guy who also has won the Selkie award as well as the best defensive forward in the game. But then also, even though that, that they traded away Jonathan Huberdeau and, and Eric Wegard to the Calgary flames, this is a, this is a Panthers team that in my opinion, could, could really pose as some problems against the Bruins. Do I think the Panthers could win the series? I would be shocked if they do. But I do think the Bruins could or will win the series in six. And I do think that this series is going to it's going to come down to puck bounces. Like which uh which way will it bounce? Will it bounce the Bruins way? Will it bounce the Panthers way? But it will it's gonna be a pretty good series. I I really do believe that. So the Panthers, the goaltending, I definitely think could be a story in the series. I do think that their their power play could be could be one of intrigue because you just don't know how it's going to go. But I also do think that if that for the Panthers, if they are going to win this series, they need, and I I can't stress this enough, but they absolutely need their support guys to be able to come up huge for them because. If they if they're able to come up huge, is it is going to pay a world of a difference for, uh, for for this Panthers team that you could say by the by the skin of their hair that they they actually were able to 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 squeeze their way into the playoffs, which makes them all the more dangerous. Which is why I, I look at guys like Verhage as well as I mentioned Matthew Kachuk as well, but as well as uh, Sam Reinhardt, who's who's a thirty goal scorer himself. I think in itself. 
Like, this is a dangerous Panthers team that, like I said, they can definitely pose some problems for the Boston Bruins as well. So, yeah, no, so that, that's so if 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 we are to get to the finals, who who would you want to see out, out west? I have an answer, but I, I want to see. I want to see who you who, who you think you would want to see out west. It's not even about who I want to see, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Colorado made it back to the finals again. Okay, Colorado has been the hottest team in the West since the turn of the new year, and you were talking about them earlier about. Yeah. It was one of the games that that really like stood out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that stood out. They were banged up at that time. Like they, like they obviously will. They will be without Gabriel Landeskog for the season. He had surgery on his knee back in October, and he just is not ready. He's not right. He will not be playing in the postseason, unfortunately. However, Colorado has shown has shown me a lot, especially in the last couple of months, in terms of just their. Their resolve. That's really the the one word and the and the right word that comes to mind for me. They have had such an amazing resolve to them that despite the injuries and despite all that has gone on with the organization this past year, I mean, it, it, the organization has gone through a lot with the, the sad passing of Peter McNabb, their the, the on the the TV broadcaster. Yeah. yeah, like that that definitely impacted the the organization. They they've been able to like find a way to persevere persevere through. And yeah, I think Colorado for me is that team in the West that 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 would not surprise me in the slightest bit if they get back to the Santa Cup Finals. But, 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 but just what what if what if we had a uh, the the Bruce Cassidy Bowl? <laughs> I know Vegas made the playoffs, so I'm not be back because I remember when they when he came when he came back. I was I think it was December fifth when they yeah. came back here in December. Mm-hmm. I mean, the crowd had been on fire all year, but that that crowd was out for blood. <laughs> oh, absolutely! <laughs> and and for for them to go back and forth, we come back to tie the game, and then they end up mm-hmm. winning or whatever. And that that to me would be theater like personified. So yes, I think from a from an analytical standpoint, from a talent standpoint, yes, it makes sense that Colorado will come back with them being the defending champs. Mm-hmm. But I think just from a from from a from a narrative standpoint, it would be beautiful. <laughs> It'd be beautiful if we, if we face Vegas in, in in the finals. And either, I mean, once yeah. again, I want us to be victorious, but I just think that that would be. I know he'd be actually motivated. I mean, he knows just about everybody yeah. on the damn team. So I think that, and that's where I think that's what we saw happen, right? Like he knew, you know, what sets they want to get in. He knew, you know, where where to where to break down on on, on defense was. So. I think that's why they were able to kind of, you know, get in there and beat us at, when they came up here mm-hmm. before. So, yeah, like I said, from an narrative standpoint, it'd be dope to see that in the finals. But like I said, I agree with you because, like I said, I told the Colorado fans, I was like, yeah, we'll see you uh, in June because I firmly believe that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to to see how that all yeah. unfolds. Like, uh, as long as that, that, that guy and, and that Edmonton don't get there. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 dude is un. Colin McDavid is having. Colin McDavid is he's having a year of his life. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no yeah. denying that at all. Like he, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's 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 going to win the MVP, but definitely it's definitely going to be amazing to see what he does in the playoffs. No, love that. So, uh, just, I, I don't think I don't think I heard you say it. So I just want so obviously we have the Bruins beating the, the Panthers, but. And how many games? Six, 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 six games. Six. 
Uh, so I, I, I know that you follow the Celtics, so I want to just give one question on there. Uh, so in June, it, are, are both teams hoisting the title in June? I think it's possible, but, and I do mean but, the Celtics, they have to show me, and it starts today, Mm-hmm. They have to show me that they could really overcome a lot of the issues that they that plagued them in the early half, part of the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the Celtics surely can make another run to the NBA Finals. There's no question in my mind. But right now, the path is looking like it's it could very well be Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and yeah. it's going to be really fascinating if, in fact, it's if the Celtics do get to the conference finals, which I expect them to. I, I think I'm, I'm very confident in saying that yeah. Yeah. they could they could run into Milwaukee. And despite not having home court advantage, I'm not concerned because like, this team has shown me that they can win on the road. Oh, right. So, right. so I'm not worried about that at all. It's more of the self-inflicted wounds. And I think also, I want to get this on the pod on record. Yeah. The health of Jalen Brown's hand is going to be a major story moving forward. Right. Will it impact the shooting? Because in case if you haven't heard, the man sliced up his hand pretty badly when he was picking up some glass. sort of glass or or, or vase which or whatever. It's wild to me. But yeah, yeah, which is which is really it really is wild and which required multiple stitches and whatnot. Yeah. So the health of his hand is going to be a big story and his ability to dribble, not be a turnover machine, which is something that I've uh, that I have talked about in the past, mm-hmm. and as well as his his effectiveness uh, shooting the basketball. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, I t- totally agree. I mean, we, we we had talked about that on our show earlier in the week when that news broke about his hand. I know he did mention in the presser mm-hmm. uh, today that the stitches have been removed. So it's just a matter of, you know, just how it feels. And I guess they've been trying a few things around the hand that allows him to have the most comfort while being out there on the court. So I just think a lot of driving is going to happen. I think that if I'm DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, or whoever guarding him, like I'm definitely attacking and not being malicious with it, but definitely making like sure. Hand, like hand checking. Yeah, little, little, hand, little, little hand check just to make sure that yeah. uh, that whatever that whatever protective wears around it is is is, is sufficient. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like I said, I, I, I got them, like I said, at the least in the conference finals as well. Like Philadelphia does not concern me at all. Once again, no. to be a series, man, B to me is the MVP. He's got to be. No, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Like, I, I saw the finalists for the for this year's Kia NBA MVP award. Obviously, Joker's on it, Nikola Jokic, yeah. uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and as well as Joel Embiid. And, I, and I've been clamoring for Joel Embiid for the last couple of years. Like, he should be the MVP. Yeah. yeah. If there's a team in the West that I think that's got the most pressure on them, I genuinely feel it's Denver. Because yeah. Denver went healthy. They they actually scare me with a healthy Michael Porter and as well as Jamal Murray, um, Jamal Murray as well. And I, I just talked about Nikola Jokic. We know what he can do and, what, and, and whatnot. That team scares me. Brown's been a very good piece for them too. Yeah, like Brown has been a, a, a solid foundational piece like for them as well. So this is a Denver team that out of the West they scare me. Like listen, like I wouldn't don't underestimate the Warriors, but. I feel like Denver Den- Denver is on a different mission on um, this year, the Nuggets in particular in the West. But not to be outdone, though. Don't forget about the Sacramento Kings. Mm. Because the Kings, there's something about this Kings team that I haven't seen since the days of Doug Christie, Mike Bibby, and as well as Chris, Chris Webber. Webber in the early 2000s. Mm. 
they got something cooking up um, up in uh, in, in Northern California with the Kings too. So it's yep. gonna be a lot of fun, man. It's gonna be interesting. These NBA playoffs, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a grab your popcorn, turn on ESPN, turn on TNT every single night. And in my opinion, outside of the Celtics, because there's some compelling basketball to be watched across these NBA playoffs. Yeah, no, to, to, totally agree. And like I said, we we can we can close it on that part. I think, I think I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. I'll be there in a few hours. So I'm, I'll be I'll be around the garden to watch the to watch the game as well. So gotcha. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll be around. Like, well, I'm, I'm obviously they'll be on the road game three, so I'll probably watch it at Banners. You know, just to get some wings open <laughs> and chill out. So I haven't decided where I'm going to watch the game yet, but I am I am leaning towards either one of two places. It's going to be either Hub Hall or mm-hmm. or maybe Greatest. I don't know. Well, Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'll let my I'll let my mood take over. Yeah. Like, like that's that's basically the time I'm, I'm, I'm on I'm right always, now. I'm always going to choose banners. I, I just I'm just I just love I want banners is legit. Love, but you but you need a freaking reservation to get. To I know. Get, I know. Actually, and that's I, the thing that kills yep. me. Facts. Facts. No, I know. I know that, that's that's the problem because it, it gets and once again, game three for the Celtics and Bruins are on the same night. Oh, oh gosh. Um, yeah. yeah. So that, that's gonna be. It's gonna be a lot. I might have to go to the tavern. I don't know. We'll see. But <laughs> good lord, that's across the street. So it's like, I gotta check when. Uh, when is Game Three for, for for the Bruins and Celtics? Hold on, Friday night, twenty first. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up right now. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Twenty first. So because the Bruins play Monday, Wednesday, then Friday, and then the Celtics. Bees, bees. Hold on. I'm I'm doing this live on on the podcast. Don't yeah. care. No shame. <laughs> so. Let's go Celtics. Schedule, 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 schedule. Yep. So well, yeah, they, they gotta do that. But yeah, it's, it, 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 it's 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 a fun time to be a sports fan for sure. Especially a Boston sports fan, one hundred percent. I agree. Outside of the the Red Sox currently, even though they they won uh last night against Anaheim. I mean, sorry, and, I always say Anaheim. I'm always, I'm always going L L A, whatever, but I'm always saying Anaheim. They're always gonna be I mean you mentioned uh, you mentioned so. the yes, the Bruins. You're correct. Bruins for Game Three. It's Friday night. Yeah, they all they're, they're, they're away. They are away in in Florida. Atlanta. Celtics and Atlanta same night. You're so. joking? Nope, I'm not. That's what I'm saying. That, that is going to be tough. That's what I'm saying. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's why I'm going to watch both. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't do this to me. Don't 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 do this to me. You're playing with my emotions. I'm not, man. I, I wish I was. <laughs> You're playing with my emotions, sir. I don't appreciate that. You've got to be, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. It's all right. Oh, like a complete doofus. Yeah, man. You're, no, no, you're right. Yeah, is, they're, they're playing on the same. Oh my god. I know. I know. This city play. is about. This city is going to be turned up and then some. Like that's so. That just tells me that's there's my Friday night plans. Yep. Oh, for sure. And I'm and I'm I'm by the way because just real quick, I'm Muslim. Uh huh. And there's a strong chance that that the Eid, which is to celebrate the end of Ramadan. Yeah. Could be Friday. I'm gonna be lit fr- all day Friday. I'm serious. I'm gonna be lit. Hey. I'm gonna celebrate eat during the day and all night. Yep. And I got Bruins and Celtics to watch. <laughs> Love it. Listen, let's go. Y'all run, please. Let 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 Friday be the day of eating. And I got Bruins and Celtics the same night. Love it. Yep. Yeah. It's gonna be dope. It's gonna be dope. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's my <laughs> gift. Let's go. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be here for it. So just let, as we close up, man, just tell tell the listeners where they can find you and just all, anything that you're getting into that's coming up for you. Yes. And I you can find me on 91.5 WMFL, host my on my radio show, The Sugar Right Show. 
uh, Wednesday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. You can hear me on the Sugar Rice podcast. Uh, on, you can find it on iHeartRadio and all major podcast platforms, and as well as on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube as well. You can also find me on the Believe Network, host of the Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast. It's all Boston sports, which I talk about straight up, just my, my thoughts, my opinions, everything. And you can find me on Twitter at Shukri Writes. You can find me on TikTok at Shukri Writes, same, same handle. Find me on Instagram at SWritesRadio underscore. And yeah, that's that's where you can find me. And as well as check, stay tuned for some fire content that's coming today, starting today. It's about to be a whole movie. Let's go. Yes, sir. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on. Like this, this, this was fun. Uh, like, like I told you, this, this was something that you was, you was gonna hold it down, and 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 you did. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this to to drop, and you know, people, uh, to tune into this one, man. So as always, you know, Black Lives Matter, and not when it's convenient, not just when it's convenient for you. So I, you know, we we are grateful. Like I said, we love to have, we'll love to have you on at some point. Uh, you know, during during during, or even later on this postseason, who knows? Never know, depending on how how exactly. far. Exactly. Yeah, you never um, know how things will go. Yeah, depending on depend, yeah, depend how things go for sure. So, so um, until next time, you know, we'll see you. Peace. Peace. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.